Alrighty, it is the it is time, I suppose, for the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, joining me to discuss that is Matthew Zator of thehockeywriters.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Matthew Zator SC. Matthew, how you doing? It's time for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, finally. Um, uh, unfortunately, both our teams are not there. So, <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> we'll enjoy hockey nonetheless. So, uh, yeah, it's still an exciting time. There's probably some good hockey coming up. Yeah, it can it can be you know I would say when your team's not in it, I think especially if either of our teams were in it this year, they wouldn't have a chance to do anything. So I think that yeah. maybe <laughs> changes things a little bit. But uh, yeah, definitely an interesting an interesting uh, playoff bracket this year. I think there's a lot of different storylines to get into. We'll get into those here a little bit later. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple things from the regular season. What we saw, I think we have to start the guy who was. Uh, really captivated the league. No surprise that he did so. It was just the way he did it was just ridiculous this year. It's uh, it's Connor McDavid scoring 153 points. I think, uh, you know, what we saw from him this year is something that uh, we haven't seen probably, I don't know if I would say ever, but I guess you go back to Gretzky. and Because uh, I think, like, scoring 150 points in this era is just, I don't think anybody other than him is capable of doing that. And he did it by a mile the only guy close to him was his teammate uh just overall thoughts on the the historic perspective and what we saw from Connor McDavid this year well I mean he's been amazing for since he's come into the league really but uh he's just been getting better every year and you'd think that he couldn't get any better and now he's like in the realm yeah. of yeah Gretzky Lemieux uh and that those are guys that had those types of points um, for a long time before someone else to do it again. And I don't know if, if this is going to be the only season he'll do it in, but uh, I mean, the way he's playing, I think he'll probably do it again next season. Um, but we'll have to see. But, but I mean, the biggest thing is going to be the playoffs. I mean, if he doesn't perform in the playoffs, I mean, the regular season means nothing. Uh, Lemieux and Gretzky both did it in the postseason as well. And I mean, though McDavid had a great season, great playoffs last season too. So, um, We'll have to see if he can do it in coming up. But, yeah, his regular season was just off the charts. Yeah, I think you look at kind of the numbers and it's like the last few seasons he's been healthy. He played all 56 in the shortened season. Uh, he played 64 of, I believe, like 70 in the season that got suspended. He played 80 last year and 82 this year. And then you look at points per game, 1.88 in 2020-21. 1.54 last season, but you know, that's still way over a point per game. And I mean, he had 123 points, so it's not bad. And then obviously 1.87 this year. So yeah, he's just been doing this for so long. And I feel like it's a, it's something that I definitely was expected for him to be an absolute superstar coming in. Uh, but the consistency, this is now, uh, a number of seasons straight, three seasons straight with a hundred plus points. He had 97 in the shortened season or the uh, season that got suspended and then three more 100 point seasons before that. So you're looking at eight seasons and you're looking at six seasons uh, with a hundred plus points. And you're looking at two other seasons where he was still over a point per game. So it's just, it's uh yeah, there's really no argument for best player in the league right now. It kind of starts and ends with McDavid. And I think that it's been that way for a while, but, 
this season more than ever really solidified that mm. because, I mean, if you win the scoring title by 25 points and and you score 153 points in this era, and he could have easily had 100 assists, I think, uh, 89 assists, 64 yeah. goals. It's just – it's it's stupid, and, and I really hope. Now, my prediction in the playoffs <laughs> is not good for him in terms of his team, but I hope that they go on a run. I think it would be great for the league. Uh, and another big story this season was Eric Carlson scoring 100 points. First time yeah. since 1992 you get a, a defenseman scoring 100-plus points. Yossi had 96 last season. Carlson gets 100. Uh, I think this would have been – it was already a pretty big story in the league, but obviously it would have been a lot bigger if the Sharks were remotely competitive, which they weren't. Uh, but Carlson kind of a kind of reminding people who he is. I mean, last – I would say the – I don't know if disaster is the right word, but the last couple of years have been rough hasn't stayed healthy and hasn't scored very much. Like he hasn't had a 60 plus point season uh, in San Jose before this season. So just thoughts on him scoring 101 points this year, 76 assists is no joke. And it took a long time for him to get going in San Jose, but he does it this season. It didn't really mean much because they weren't good, but I mean, I'm sure it means a lot for, for his career. And obviously he'd probably be on a contender right now if his contract wasn't so, uh, so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we talk about McDavid, and then, I mean, Carlson just goes and, and does a historic thing, too. And I don't know if he, again, we're not sure he's going to do it again. Probably won't. I mean, he is a 60-point defenseman for the most part. A lot of the time he's been around that range. But I think I think a big thing for him is not having Brent Burns there, and he's the star. He's the guy. And even in Ottawa, he was the guy, and he put up 70-plus 70, 70 points one season there. And, you know, I don't know if it's a coincidence that this season Brent Burns is not there. All of a sudden he explodes for 100 points. Again, we'll see next season if he does it again. Then you're like, okay, then maybe it was just yeah. because he, he was in the shadow of, of Burns. And now he's the main defenseman, plays all minutes, plays over 30 minutes a night, plays on every situation. Um, probably won the Norris Trophy, even though, I mean, I have different – standards for a Norris trophy. I mean, yeah. it shouldn't just yeah. be points. Um, you got guys that are doing a lot. I'm doing the same, similar things and they're not even in it. Quinn Hughes. Uh, and he's not even talked about. So, and Carlson will probably win it just based on those at a hundred point season, not taking anything away from him. I mean, that's amazing, but uh, is he the best defensively? What was he a minus 20, 30 or something like that? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But I think Carlson has definitely had a great season, and uh, we'll just have to see if he can do it again. Uh, if he does, then, I mean, <laughs> he's he's back into that elite status at, what, 30-plus. So Yeah, it takes a lot away from the award when you just look at it and you're like, ah, oh, he scored the most points. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, that's definitely a tough a tough way for the awards to be voted on. I think it's a problem in a lot of sports. Um I mean, most of the awards this season in the NHL, I think, are fairly cut and dry in terms of who yeah. should win uh, and who shouldn't win. But the, the Norris Trophy is always an interesting one because I think there's so much bias with, you know, points being scored, especially with this era in the NHL. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I, I think he probably does end up winning it. Whether he deserves it or not remains to be <laughs> seen. But he had a great season, no doubt. And then the third story is just the uh, the fact that, I remember us doing a preseason podcast. This was on the Blue Note podcast before that one stopped being aired or whatever you want to say about it, uh, before it stopped going. But we did a preseason podcast, and I remember all three of us, myself, you, and Mike Meyer, 
I remember us being not so high on the Boston Bruins. Yeah. <laughs> and I had them sneaking into the playoffs as the fourth team in the Atlantic. They did a lot more than that. They did something that this has got to be in terms of the expectations versus the reality. Maybe the one of the most improbable seasons in the history of the league. Because what the Bruins did this year is ridiculous. Because number one, you had an aging core that hadn't done anything in the postseason for four years after they lost in the cup final in terms of like a super deep run. And you had a first time, not a first time, but his first year as the head coach there, Jim Montgomery, who was good in Dallas, obviously didn't get fired in Dallas for things that happened on the ice. Uh, They go 65, 12 and five and just have one of the most absurd seasons we've ever seen. And if anything, if that tells us anything in recent history is that they're probably going to get knocked out of the postseason way too early. Who knows with this team, though? You give you look at the experience that they have, and we, I guess we could have said the same thing about Tampa four years ago, the experience they had coming in. You know, Stamkos and Hedman, those guys have already been – had been mm-hmm. on a deep run before that. But one thing that scares me a little bit about this Bruins team in the playoffs for their sake is goaltending. Now, these guys were fantastic this season. Olmark had an unbelievable season. Swayman had an unbelievable season. I would make the argument that Olmark shouldn't win the Vesna because of how good Swayman was. I would probably give it to – Ilya Sorokin. I know that's not going to happen, but I mean, if we just look at it like that, I think that that is something to to think about. But they just historic season. You get you get sixty one goals from Pasternak. He scores one hundred and thirteen points. If you have a guy playing on the wing that's a pure goal scorer and he's still scoring one hundred and thirteen points, I mean that is that is absurd. They get the extension done with him. Everybody else was solid. They had so many different scoring options because uh, you have you they had five guys with twenty plus goals and ten guys with. 10 plus goals, I guess 11 with Felino having 10, but yeah, just a ridiculous season for the Bruins and one that certainly was not expected by us. <laughs> well, I just pulled up my uh, notes on the predictions from, from that podcast. I had the Bruins second to last in the division right above the Canadians. So I'm safe to say I was wrong and I had the Panthers winning the division Again, wrong, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect the Bruins. I thought, I thought those injuries at the beginning of the season were just going to destroy them. Um, you know, being Marchand came back early, but you know, I thought he was going to be up to December. We thought McAvoy was going to be a huge loss until he got back. Um, Grizzly was injured at the beginning of the season. He came back earlier than expected as well. But even without them, they had great. You know, Hampus Lindholm just stepped up and became a top-end defenseman for them. And now, I mean, he's still pretty good, but now he's got the support around him. It, it's just amazing what this team has done. I don't know, again, this won't mean as much if they get kicked in the first round by the Florida Panthers. I don't see it happening, but we'll, t- get, we'll get to that later. But I, I think I think the Bruins are, yeah, again, a t- a, something that hasn't been done since, what, 76-77 was mm-hmm. when uh, the Canadians had that record. And it's held for this long. Now, granted, I still say that's an asterisk because the thing is, back then, they didn't have shootouts. They didn't have yeah. overtime three-on-three. Three. They had ties and all that. So I think that's still a more an amazing season back from historical perspective. But, I mean, what the Bruins have done, what, 65 wins, uh, 135 points, that's just unheard of. So, I mean... We'll see what happens to the playoffs, but they had an amazing regular season that is probably going to go down in history for, again, another like 20 years or something. Yeah, and and it 
it's not that it was out of nowhere, but it wasn't expected. I don't, I think I would say 95% of people that make legitimate NHL season predictions would not have picked them to finish probably in the top two of the division, I would say. So, and you look at the comparables is the 2019 Tampa team. That team had 128 points. They had 62 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bruins were 65 and 135 points. Uh, goals for that Tampa team was first. This Bruins team second. Goals against the Bruins were first this season, and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning then were fifth. So that's the comparable. Obviously, if you're if you're a Bruins fan, you hope that you don't get swept in the first round, <laughs> which which Tampa did by Columbus, and opens the door for another team to win a cup. Which I think this season, though. More than that season, I think a lot of people were just so heavily in on Tampa winning the Cup. I think there's a lot of other options this season, a lot of other things that could happen. Mm -hmm. Because I think the Eastern Conference has some very heavy hitters. And we saw that a lot in the regular season, how open the West is. And then the East, there's so many loaded uh, rosters in there. You know, Florida is a team that wasn't as good this season as they were last season, but they have dangerous scoring up front. And they're a team that's probably playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder given how last season ended for them. And it, it took a little bit for them to sneak into the playoffs this season, but not an easy first-round matchup. I would say a much harder first-round matchup, mm. no offense to Columbus, than than Tampa had that season. So no offense to them. Uh, and I was kind of looking at my preseason predictions a little bit. I mean, I – yeah, just not not even just not even close in a lot of in a lot of situations. Uh, I had Seattle finishing last in their division, which whoops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Central I had obviously overvalued Nashville and St. Louis. Um, I think the Atlantic I did okay, given the fact that I did get four playoff teams from there. I also overvalued Columbus. That's a classic don't-do move. That's a classic uh, they signed the big free agent, don't think they're going to be great automatically next season was the mistake I had there. But overall, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to pick the Stanley <laughs> Cup final that I picked in the preseason, which was I had Florida over Colorado in seven. Still in play, but yeah. feels very unlikely. I also had <laughs> Pittsburgh getting the Eastern Conference final, so another mistake there. And Pittsburgh lost to Chicago to essentially end their season. So yeah. <laughs> that's not great. But uh, I'm going to try to do better with these playoff predictions. So let's get into a little bit here. Um, one thing to discuss before the playoffs is the fact that we don't have Sidney Crosby. We don't have Alex Ovechkin. And the defending champs are going to be without their captain. They've been at, without this entire time. But they're going to be without them for the entire postseason as well. So that opens the door a little bit for other teams. Uh, any thoughts on the fact that we don't have Sid or Ovi in these playoffs? Yeah, that's again, that's something that hasn't happened in a long time. We at least had one of them, and most of the time both yeah. uh in the playoffs. So that's pretty crazy to have both those superstars out and their teams out because they're both their teams have had consecutive playoff streaks for quite a while as well. And now you you're, they're not competing. So yeah, it just shows goes to show you how much this league is the parody in it, and some teams can can come in and take these other teams out and yeah the capitals and the penguins were both in it towards the end but uh ended up not making it so yeah pretty crazy that those two guys aren't competing in the playoffs this year yeah i was very low on the capitals going into the season and it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be but it also doesn't help them or the the penguins that we saw a team like new jersey be as good as they were yeah and we saw the islanders come around late and we saw carolina who probably wouldn't be where they are 
like the Sveshnikov injury, they did not look good after. So I don't think they would have as many points as they do right now if he was if he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um or if he wasn't healthy the entire season, I should say. So all right. I'm gonna start in the West because it's a little it's not less intriguing, but there's a little bit less there in terms of matchups and who could win, who can't win. Uh let's start in the Pacific with those two matchups. The first one is Vegas and Winnipeg. Um I think Vegas is poised for a bit of a deep run. You look at the the health aspect for them. Um, they're a bit more healthy uh, than they were. Obviously, Stone possibly coming back, I believe, at some point. Uh, that's a factor here. And I think that they kind of loaded up a little bit in terms of their defense is still there. And you bring in a Barbashev at the deadline. That's a guy that plays the playoff style that you're looking for. Uh, and you got a, a Vegas team that probably should have had a little bit more playoff success than they did after that first season. So uh, I am taking Vegas in six in this series. No offense to Winnipeg. I think goaltending, they could possibly steal a series here with Hellebuck, but I just think Vegas is better, and I'm going to approach it that way here. I'll take Vegas in six. Yeah, I'm I'm on the Vegas train too. I think I think they they're just they seem to be able to this season you know, score throughout their lineup. So they're not like, they're not relying, relying on a few guys. Mark Stone could be back uh, to start the playoffs as well, which is huge for them. Um, and goaltending, I don't know. I mean, it's going to depend on if Brassois, I think Brassois is starting um, game one, but they got Jonathan Quick there. They got Logan Thompson. So they can turn to like three goaltenders. Uh, if one doesn't work out and Quick has all that playoff experience that they can lean on. So uh, I think, I think, yeah, Vegas, I'm going to go Vegas in, but I'm going to go and put it to seven. I think Vegas is going to be going to win this in seven. Um, I think Hellebuck's going to have a heck of a series and that's why it's going to be close. So I'll, I'll go Vegas in seven. All right. Then we have Edmonton and LA. This is a rematch of uh, last season in the first round. The Oilers won that in seven. I mean, McDavid willed them in that game seven. Uh, to the finish line. I think it's going to be a little bit of a uh, flipping of the script here. I think LA is better this season than they were last season. Uh, I think their young guys are are in a much, you know, they're much more developed this season than they were last season. And they have the veteran experience to lean on. Uh, they brought in Kevin Fiala, who's been a stud for them. And they, you know, uh, also Arvidsson's there. So a lot of goal scoring opportunities there, plus the experience. Plus the back end is solid, so I'll take L.A. in seven, uh, and this would be devastating for Edmonton. I don't know where Edmonton would go from from there, from a loss here. I don't know where you go because at some point you you can't just have McDavid and Dreisaitl sitting there not winning in the playoffs. But I will say what the Oilers did at the trade deadline could help them win a playoff series like this. So I'm going to take the Kings in seven, but for the sake of McDavid – I hope it doesn't happen. I'll say. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, this is going to be a long series too. I think it is going to seven, but I'm going to pick Edmonton in this. I, I think they've got enough to go over the Kings, just like they did in the last last year's one, um, and they are better. I think their defense, like adding Matias Ekholm, was just an amazing move. Uh, something that came out of nowhere for me. I didn't think that Ekholm would go there, but uh, he's just he's fit in perfectly. Um, with Evan Bouchard and made him better, which is great. 
And then um, I think it's going to come down to the goaltender. Stuart Skinner isn't good. I mean, Jack Campbell, who knows what he got with him. Uh, if both, I mean, the, the, this was a done series pretty quick uh, if their goaltending doesn't hold up. Although last season their goaltending didn't really wasn't that good either. Yeah. Mike Smith was up and down. So, and they made it through. So that's why I'm going seven, but I'm going to say Edmonton will sneak out of it. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of matchups in that series last year where Edmonton had to score a lot. Although there was a couple games where you're like, okay, I still think LA is probably a year away, and I think that's probably the case. Mm. Uh, but there was a a game where they gave up five. There was a game where they gave up four. There was a game where they gave up four. A couple shutouts, though, surprisingly. But I do think Edmonton or uh, LA is further along this year than they were last year. So I'll take the Kings. Um, we got Colorado and Seattle matching up here. Pretty tough first series to run into for Seattle in franchise history, their first. Uh, but the Avs, a little bit vulnerable, maybe not in this series, but eventually without Landeskog there, it's going to be mm. a bit of a problem. Plus, you have other questions in terms of injuries for Colorado. It, it hasn't been the healthiest season for Kale McCarr as well. Uh, so I like Seattle. I think they're going to be a fun team. I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for them. Uh, but I think the Avalanche are too much. I will take the Avs in six. Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche, they've, there's going to be, obviously, like you said, question marks going in. Like, they don't know their second-line center. Without Nazem Kadri, that, that's been a question mark all season. So I'm I'm going to say – I'm going to say the Avs do get out of this, but I keep picking game, seven-game series. But the, <laughs> I hope, I hope you're one. right. This is a tough one to call. I think it is – I think Colorado does get out of it, and I think it is in seven. So, But Seattle will put up a fight especially at home because that atmosphere is amazing yeah. in Seattle. And I think that's going to push him to some wins. Uh, and yeah, so abs and seven. All right. Then we have Minnesota, Dallas. I'm just going to keep going the other way in terms of the length of series. I, I think the stars are as well built as anybody to win a cup this year. Uh, I'm going to take the stars in five. I just think that they're, I think when they are playing well, they are so much better Minnesota and that's no slight to Minnesota I just think that that's how it is they're they're deeper they have a better goaltender they have I mean Joe Pavelski plays like he's like 29 years old still and you have Sagan healthy Jamie Benn had a great season obviously Jason Robertson's a superstar so I think this is such a bad matchup for Minnesota I think it's going to be ugly it's going to be another first round exit for them Uh, I'm taking the stars in five yeah, I was on the preview show for, for this one, to, representing the Stars, and uh, I believe, I can't fully remember what I picked, but I know I picked the, the Stars to come out of this series, and I believe I said six. So I'm going to say, I'll keep with that prediction and go uh, the Stars and six. Basically what you basically said. I mean, I they I think they're just a much more well-rounded team. They can play any style. They're top 10 in a lot of categories this year, power play, penalty kill, goals for, goals against uh face-up percentage they're they're just they're very sneaky they're a sneaky mm-hmm. good team i mean they got they got the goal scoring like robertson had an amazing season uh pavelski again ben had a resurgent season he hadn't put up 30 goals for like a few seasons before now so i think they're just much and why johnston is there too and he's he's a rookie and he put up a ton of points so i think it's got a lot of weapons and high skin with his 73 points too it's yeah, there is. I think it's gonna be too much for the Wild to handle. So I'm gonna say six, six for the Stars. All right, let's bounce over to the Eastern Conference. We talked about it a little bit already. Boston and Florida in the first round. 
if you're Boston, you probably would have rather played the Islanders here. Um, mm-hmm. Would have been a much easier series. But the Bruins need to avoid the dreaded early exit of a President's Trophy winner or the dreaded early exit of a historic season, mm-hmm. which Tampa had four years ago. I think the Bruins do it. I think this is a team with just so much experience in the playoffs and they're just so hard to play against, especially in Boston. I think this is a tough spot for Florida, but I think they they play well and they lose in six, although I could see this one going seven, but I think the Bruins can get it done in six. Uh, So I'll go Bruins in six. Yeah, I I go with Bruins here too. I I think it's going to be a much shorter series though. I'll I'll go five. I think Bruins in five. I I don't know about the Panthers. I mean, they're a question mark for me. Uh, Alex Lyon is going to be their starting goaltender to start. I mean, he's had a great season since he came. But I don't know how he's going to be against the Bruins that just seem to be just unstoppable. They just seem to be able to be, um, again, another team that can play any style you want. I mean, they can run up the score. They can play a really low-scoring game as well. I don't know if the Panthers are going to be able to handle it. I think they'll win one game. I won't say a sweep, so I'll say just the Bruins will win, win in five. All right, now we have Toronto, Tampa, and once again, here we are with Toronto. Just getting back on the horse if you're the Maple Leafs here. You, you haven't won in the first round in uh, 19 years. Uh, you got to get it done at some point, and you got another shot at Tampa. And let's be honest, I think the Leafs played outplayed the Lightning in that series last season that they lost. Yeah. I think they outplayed them, and they lost, but I think the Leafs are better this year. I, and I think Ryan O'Reilly is a huge part of that. Like if you can get that, that guy, like every season that Ryan O'Reilly played in St. Louis in the playoffs, he was as elite as he could mm-hmm. be. Like last season, he was great in the playoffs. Obviously 2019, he was great. I think that's a big, and I think Nola Chari is another guy that can give you something in the playoffs. Well, it's another guy that's played in the cup final before. So I think they made the right additions in that regard. I think they did the same on the blue line as well, a little bit more than they have in the past. Goaltending, you still never know what you're going to get. But I feel like I should have put Leafs in seven, but I put Leafs in six. I think Tampa, Tampa's due for an early exit. They've played so much hockey the last few years, and I just think they're going to go down. I know that they lost in the first round four years ago, but we'll just act like that never happened because they won the next two cups and lost the, the third one. But uh, I will say Leafs in six finally <laughs> happens. <laughs> I. I'm going to go with the Leafs in this one, too. I, I think this, the, yeah, like you say, the Lightning have just played so much hockey. And it looks like they've, they've fatigued down the stretch. I, you know, talk, you know, looking at just so much, so much hockey and so many, so, you know, the years that they've played, they've gone all the way, the distance in all three seasons here. Um, yeah, they, they're just too much. I think it's going to catch up to them. I, it can't go seven, though. I think if it does go into a game seven, Lightning going through um, because Vasilevsky just has this un. It seems like an <laughs> out of this world ability yeah. to step up in the game seven and win. So I, I don't think the Maple Leafs want to put him in that position again. So I'm going to say in six. And if it does go seven, I'm going Lightning. But I think this will go in six for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, if you're the Leafs, you got to avoid the game seven, like you said. Uh, maybe the series that I'm looking forward to the most in terms of watching is the Devils and Rangers. Uh, just going to be a really fun battle. Um, I do think the Devils are kind of in the same spot as the Kings were last season, where I still think they're a year away from truly contending and going deep. I think the Rangers were in that spot a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Obviously, the Rangers went to the conference final last season, lost to Tampa. Uh, I think this one needs to go seven. I think it would be great if it went seven. So I'm going to try to will that into existence by saying it. And I'm going to say Rangers in seven in this series. Yeah, I would love this series to go to seven. So I'm going to say seven and we'll we'll do a double and, yeah. and try to get it to go into sure the universe. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say the Devils are going to come out of this one. I, I, this team has just had such a great season. And I mean, I think their goaltending could, I mean, Banachek has been amazing, but Shesterkin is just, he's starting to look like that Vesna trophy winner type goaltender lately. So if it comes down to a goaltender duel, I think the Rangers go come out of it, but I'm going to go with the Devils in seven because I think they're just going to be, have a different style that I think will beat the Rangers, but it could go either way. That's why it's going to seven. So I'll say the devil's though. I hope so. Um, yeah, I think Shesterkin this season, it feels like there's been a lot said, whether it's from Rangers fans or just people like what happened to the Shesterkin of last season, all this stuff. And like he went 37, 13 and eight with a nine, 16 and a two, four, eight goals against. I feel like that's still fairly elite or close to it yeah, if it's not. I mean, the same percentage you'd like to be a little bit better, but uh, he also had a 935 last season, so it's hard to follow that up. But the Rangers are interestingly built uh, because you have Patrick Kane there now. You have Vladimir mm. Tarasenko there now. You have all the scoring you could get. Uh, defensively, we'll see what happens, but definitely going to be a huge, huge series for uh, Igor Shesterkin, no doubt. Uh, all right, final first-round series in the East, Carolina and the New York Islanders. I probably would have said Canes in four or five if Sveshnikov was healthy, but that's a big loss. And I think the Hurricanes still win this series, but I worry about them without Sveshnikov. So I will take the Canes in six. Yeah, that was a huge loss when they lost him. And then, they, you know, Pacioretty going out as well. I mean, yeah, he only played like a handful of games when he came back from injury, but uh, he is a big loss to the lineup. And then you lose either Sveshnikov too, and that's just massive. I mean, Net, Net, Natchez has had a great season, so he's going to have to take that brunt of that offensive production and you know perform in the playoffs. Uh, they have a lot of back-end offense, though. I mean, Brent Burns has been, you know, had a great season again uh, and led the defense. So I, I'm going to – it's going to be tough, but I'm going to say it does It does go the Canes way, and, and it will go – I'll say six as well. I, I think I think the Islanders will win a couple just because of that. And, you know, they snuck in. And if, if Bo Horvat can have a great playoffs like he did the last time he was in, in the bubble, I, I think the Islanders do take this one. But I don't know. I don't think Horvat will do that again. So I'm going to go with Canes in six. Should be an interesting series for sure, especially the result will be more interesting than almost anything. Um mm-hmm. Because I think it could it could go either way. Uh, all right, let's get into the second round. My first matchup here is Vegas and L.A. Uh, yeah, I, I this is a this is an interesting series because Vegas, Jonathan Quick, uh, did they throw him out there against L.A.? What's the motivation there? If he plays, uh, I think that could get very interesting. Uh, but I think Vegas is better overall. Uh, but I would like to see L.A. go on another deep run. You know, obviously. They've been spoiled in the past with the two cups in 2012 and 14, but it's been a while since then, so why not? Um, But that being said, I'm going to take Vegas in six in this series. Uh, I think Vegas, like I said, I expect a deep run from them. This is a core that's had some success in the playoffs in terms of winning a round each year or 
you know, winning. I mean, Bruce Cassidy's also historically won a lot of playoff games. So first season under him could change things in this regard. Uh, but I'm going to go Vegas in six over L.A., and I believe you have Vegas-Edmonton. Vegas-Edmonton. Yeah, it's uh, this is going to be a really good series, I think, too. Uh, oh, my gosh. I, I'm going to go with – I'll go Edmonton. I think they're going to – they would get through a Vegas series. I think, again, if they get through that first one and McDavid and Drysdale are just lighting it up, I think they've just got so much depth uh, to match Vegas. But I think, again, it's going to seven in this one. So – I'll go Vegas, not not Vegas, uh, Oilers in seven. All right. Uh, my next second-round matchup in the West is Colorado and Dallas. Um, this would be a great series. But like I said earlier, I think Colorado could run out of gas at some point in the playoffs. I think it comes here. I honestly think Dallas wins this series in seven, but they get out to like a – Dallas gets out to a 3-1 series lead. Colorado comes back, makes it 3-3, and then Dallas prevails with the goaltending. Because Dallas would have won around last season if they had a competent team in front of uh, no, yeah. Jake Ottinger in that game. So I, I think it happens this season. I'll take Dallas in seven, setting up a Dallas and Vegas conference final. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I have the same matchup, so I'll go Dallas in this one. Uh, again, same thing. I, I think they're very sneaky in all areas. And I think uh, Colorado is just – they've got so many question marks that – I don't know if the goaltending will hold up, like you said. I know Gorgiev is Gorgiev is a good goaltender, but Ottinger, if he gets through that first round and he's amazing, uh, he's just a better goaltender. So, uh, yeah, I'll go the same, and so it'll be a Dallas Oilers uh, Western Conference um, the next round there. Heads would explode. Boston Toronto round two. <laughs> um, seen this movie before. This year's Boston team as dominant as they were. Get to a game seven. I think if you're Toronto and you're, I, I think most of the time if you're a fan of any team, you don't really want to play in a game seven, but especially if you're Toronto, I think they got to break that at some point. They're going to go on a deep run and win one. So I'm going to say Toronto and seven over Boston. And that would be very inter- interesting to see what Twitter would look like on a <laughs> night like that. Yeah, I mean, that would, again, amazing uh, second-round series. And uh, I think, I don't know. I, the way Boston, I, I just feel like they, they're they a team of destiny this year. I think Boston's, you can see where I'm going with this. I think Boston's got, got uh, will win this series, and it will go seven. But I think Boston's coming out. I think Leafs fans would probably handle – a second round loss to Boston better than most at this point. Cause I feel like just winning around is a, a huge yeah. part of moving forward here, but I, I'd be very curious to see what happens with Kyle Dubas. If they lose in the second round, yeah. or even if they lose in the first round, I think it becomes very interesting because I think if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, you, you, you make a phone call there. I would think um, <laughs> who knows, but I have Toronto going pretty deep. Uh, Rangers, Hurricanes. We've seen this series a couple times in the playoffs before. I saw it last season and uh, ended with the Rangers in uh, winning that series. I have the Rangers in six. I just think Carolina, it's just Sveshnikov being out. Like you said, they lost Pacioretty, which he didn't contribute a whole lot, but would have would have been a huge uh, contributor in the playoffs, I think, for them mm. where he plays. But I just don't think uh, Carolina has enough to get through a series here. So I'm going to stick the Rangers in six over the Canes, setting up a Rangers-Leafs. Hey, I've got – so I got Devils-Hurricanes in the second round here, and 
I'll go. I'm. I really have this feeling about New Jersey. We'll see. I mean, my predictions haven't been that good uh, for the regular season, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm going to go Devils uh, over the Hurricanes in this one um, because, again, I think the Devils just have way more depth offensively, and they're they're really good defensively too. So I, I'll go with the Devils. So it'll be a Devils Bruins um, Eastern Conference final. All right, my Western Conference final: Vegas and Dallas. Uh... Yeah, I think there would be a lot, a lot to think about in this series. You have uh, various matchups in this series where you're like, okay, that's kind of weird, but it would be interesting. I think goaltending wise, you have a huge advantage for for Dallas with Ottinger, and obviously you have Pete DeBoer who is in Dallas now, was in Vegas. That's another storyline here. Uh, you have some players that have played against each other in some memorable playoff series. And I speak from the perspective of a Blues fan who would probably be the only person to ever mention this, but like Alex Petrangelo, Jamie Benn, they have an interesting history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so them in the playoffs here would be interesting to watch. Uh, but I think the Stars get it done in seven. I just think Dallas is, I think Dallas and Vegas are clearly, I think to me, the two most well equipped teams to win a cup out of the West. But I could see a wild card pushing through. Um, such as in Edmonton in terms of, I don't know if we expect them to go that deep, but I could see it. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened, but I'm going to take Dallas over Vegas in seven. All right. So I got the Oilers and, and the Stars. So I this is where the Oilers, unfortunately, they're going to stop short of the, of the Stanley Cup final again. I'm going Stars over the Oilers because basically the biggest thing is goaltending. I I think I think goes against Ottinger and Skinner. Obviously, Skinner's had a good playoffs up to the then if they're already in the western conference final but um Ottinger I think is just he's just such a better goaltender and I think the stars as a team in general again they're just much more well-rounded than I mean Oilers have gotten better in that regard but it would be a fun series because you got two of the top scores you got Robertson going against uh you know McDavid dry pairing and Robertson that top line of Robertson Hints and Pavelski is yeah. just out of this, you know, insane. So I'll go stars over the Oilers though, because I think it's going to edge them out. And I think it'll go seven though. Eastern conference final. I have the Rangers and Leafs. Uh, I mean, just the, the atmosphere of both of these arenas would be off the charts in this series. And I think that weirdly enough, you have the Oilers losing in the conference final back to back years because they lost last season, you have them losing this season. I have the Rangers losing in the conference finals back-to-back years. So the Leafs keep it alive for Canada, and I don't really know how Canada feels about that. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've feel like i read some stuff, at least from a Montreal perspective, where you'd almost be rooting against another Canadian team, if, especially if you were Toronto. Uh, I don't really know the dynamics there, but I would take the Leafs in seven over the Rangers. I think the Leafs are just going to go on one of those magical runs, and it might not end – well, it might not end in the best way possible, but I think that the Leafs are going to do it at some point, and why not this season? Yeah, I uh, so I've got I got the Bruins in here with the Devils. So, but I mean, when you go against each other here, I think the Bruins get come out of this one. So Bruins over the Devils in I'll say six. I think the Devils would put up a fight. So I've got Stanley Cup final going uh, Dallas Stars and. Um, Boston Bruins. That would be 
an interesting series, no doubt. Uh, I have the Stars and the Leafs, and uh, I usually get behind a team every postseason that ends poorly. I've done it with Pittsburgh in the past. I'm doing it with Dallas this year. Uh, I'm taking Dallas to win the Stanley Cup in six games, and I think Jason Robertson is a big reason why as he wins the Conn Smythe. I'm looking at probably 40 points in the postseason around there. So, because, you know, I have them playing. Let's see. Let's do some quick math there. Uh, 13 games there, then 20. So I have him playing 25 games in the playoffs. So 40 points. I, I think that that's, you know, something like 17 goals, 13 assists. Or that's not good math. 17 goals, 23 <laughs> assists uh, for 40 points. So why not? Uh, give me the Stars winning their second Stanley Cup in franchise history over the Maple Leafs. And I just don't know how this would go down on the internet, but it would be interesting to see the Leafs get all the way there and then come up just short. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'd be rooting for it, but I also don't want to see Dallas win the Cup either, if I'm being honest. So <laughs> we'll see. I'll take the Stars to win the Cup in six. Well, I got two two teams in the final that I, I wouldn't want to win Cups, but uh... – I think if it's a Boston Dallas, I'll I'm going Boston. I, I just think there's just such like I said, I think they're a team of destiny. And I as much as I hate saying that because yeah. the Bruins are just I don't like them. Um because way back in 2011. So it's you know, they're a much different team, obviously. They still have a couple guys that are on that team, but uh, you know, I, I think there's such a strong team, and I'm going with David Pasternak as a Conn Smythe trophy winner in this one because Again, this guy's had an amazing season, over 60 goals. Uh, a guy that was drafted in the late first round, and a lot of teams passed him over, and he's just become such a potent goal scorer. I'm going to say the Bruins are just going to uh, ride his his coattails right to the final and right to the Stanley Cup. So passing an act for Conn Smythe and the Bruins for their cup first cup since uh, 2011. Yeah, that would be their, what, fourth appearance, I believe, since 2011, because they had 11, they lost yeah. to Chicago, and then lost St. Louis, and then I also wanted to bring up that they did lose to St. Louis. Uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. We will uh, We'll talk a little draft here before we get out of here, but we'll obviously reconvene after the playoffs and before the draft again, I'm sure, to discuss that. But let's talk a little bit about the draft now, because the last time that we spoke was on this podcast was a couple, maybe a month and a half ago or so. Um, I mean, obviously, I want to ask you first, though, not talking about the draft, something that we haven't talked about yet, uh, and it was a trade that was unexpected for your team, bringing in Philip Roenick. Uh, just overall thoughts on the approach there, the the future of the franchise. Because it feels like they're a team that's not looking to be bad next season again, especially with the cap situation. You almost can't be. So how do you how do you think about what the Canucks did at the deadline and what they're looking to do moving forward? Well, I, I didn't like the trade at the time, and mostly not because of who they got. I mean, Hironic had looked really good in the first five games. I think he played, uh, and then he got shut down for the season. But he's, you know, he was very steady. Uh, I think he's a great defenseman for the Canucks in the, for the future. But they gave up way too much, and I still say that. It, you know, two first-round picks, really, I, I think. I mean, you got the first-round pick, and then you got the second, which is going to be an early second. So in this draft, that, in my mind, is a first-round pick. So you basically gave up two big pieces that you could potentially, you know, now looking at it, they would have got the pick because the Islanders made the playoffs. So that pick does become the Detroit Red Wings now. 
but it would have been the Canucks. So they would have had two first round picks in this draft. One, obviously a top 10, potentially top 10 pick. And then another one around the fifth. I don't know. It depends on where the Islanders go in the playoffs. I mean, they could, if they win the cup, then it's a 32nd overall pick, but who cares? I, I, it's still a first round pick in this draft. And I, I hated it. I, I really did. And I, I was, I was really looking forward to the Canucks having two first round picks in this draft, but you know, now they don't have a second rounder either, unless they do some, some moving on the draft floor, maybe, but yeah, overall, I, I think Coronic's going to be a good piece for the Canucks moving forward, but I don't think it was worth that cost as for what they're trying to do. I really don't know what they're trying to do. <laughs> it, it's are they rebuilding? Are they retooling? Seems like they want to retool. Um, but really with the cap space, what the, can they do to kind of they got to get rid of some big contracts? That always all of our Alvin Larkman Larson contracts just a dead weight. It's just yeah. so big. And then Tyler Myers, uh, he's a good defenseman, but six million is just too much. And then you got you got other guys that potentially could step into the lineup. I mean, I really liked what Hirose has done since they signed him out of the NCAA. Um, Cole McWard was, you know, looked pretty good too, but obviously their goal, their defense needs to get better. And I don't know what they'll do in the off season. I mean, Brock Besser is, could be on the trade block. They took, they essentially, it seems like they've taken Thatcher Demko off the trade block now. Um, apparently they, they're not looking to trade him now. So we'll see. I mean, the offseason is going to be interesting, but I really don't know what their direction is. I think they should be of the mindset of rebuilding and just rebuild around Pedersen and Hughes and just see what they can do. And Demko. I mean, I think those three pieces are there for sure, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> they, it's going to be a fun time to write about the Canucks. That's for yeah. Sure. Yeah, they certainly seem like, it, from an outsider like myself, they just seem like they're really lacking a direction, like you said. And I think the Blues were lacking that too until the deadline, but they're still kind of stuck because they, the the defenseman contracts are just horrible. Uh, but I am looking forward to seeing what the Blues do with the three first-round picks. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think they're going to make all three. I certainly think they'll make the first one. Doug Armstrong pretty much said as much, but – you got two other picks to play with there, maybe make some trades. They're also a team that doesn't have a second-round pick, but they do have two-thirds. So we'll see what to do with that. Uh, let's do this first. I have a few questions listed here, but I'm going to go to the second one first. And there's probably three teams that have a chance to get Bedard, truly, if you think about the fact that the odds usually don't uh, move that much. But I guess you could say there's four or five. I, I, I don't know. There's just such a big gap between San Jose and Montreal in terms of lottery numbers that it's like i don't know uh but what do you think the actual best fit for Connor bedard is in terms of where he would be going who he would be playing with the market he'd be a lot of factors to take into account here what do you think the actual best fit for bedard is and just random prediction where do you see him landing in terms of like i could see him playing here i think the best fit would be the montreal canadians uh i think they're they're set up for him to just kind of be inserted and it wouldn't take too long for the for them to kind of turn into a playoff team um but for the team that probably will get him i'm going to say the columbus blue jackets are going to be the one getting them and i think that's a good fit too i think they're they're another team that's has a lot of young talent this season a very i think is an outlier uh because the fact i mean how many injuries did they have it was just some it was just it's crazy. I think they led the league in man games lost. So 
and losing so many guys that, and, you know, they still have the pieces, Johnny Goudreau, they got Lane, they got uh, some young guys and Kent Johnson uh, looked ridiculous um, at times during the season there. Um, they've got so many good guys and adding Bedard, I think will push them. And I think they'll end up getting him. And I think that's a good fit. I think he'll actually be pretty good there too. And he even said, I think he said in an interview, he'd be okay going to Columbus too. So it definitely helps that they brought in a guy like Johnny Gaudreau and they have line a there. And you look at some of the names that were not playing for them at the end of the season. Jake Bean was out. Zach Wierenski was out. Line a was out. Uh, Merzlikens was out. A lot of names out. And the idea of just, having a line or the ability or the capability of to have a line of Goudreau, Bedard, and Line A is very intriguing. Just throwing them out there and seeing what happens. I don't think that, that would be the primary line that he'd play on, but I think that's a, a great scenario. And it's kind of a tough – I don't know if it's a tough look or just a weird – like Anaheim was an embarrassment this season. I mean, let's yeah, just be honest. Yeah. They were they were blatantly not trying. And they lost 13 in a row to end the season, which is just – I mean, I think – I don't think that the lottery's rigged by any means. <laughs> but at the league, the league certainly doesn't want to see an eye win the lottery if I had to guess. And I'm also, I don't really get anybody but Chicago for me, obviously, uh, in terms of where Bedard goes. But I think it'd be very interesting. I do think Columbus would be the, be the one that I'm rooting for the most to get him. And I wouldn't hate if Anaheim got him. I just think it'd be pretty embarrassing given their season. It was a, <laughs> yeah. just a joke. But well, Columbus uh, has a new new coach. Well, they will have a new coach as yeah. well. So. You know, I don't know if it was fair that Larson kind of got thrown under the bus. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, injuries happen. What coach is going to be able to deal with all that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> very few, very few. Uh, okay. Your top five right now are just five players at the top of the draft that people should get to know, guys that could be superstars in this draft. Well, I mean, the obvious one's Bedard, but. Uh, uh, Adam Fantilli. I mean, what what a consolation prize. Whoever gets him a second overall, I mean, if he goes second overall, I'm assuming he will. <laughs> uh, there's, he's going to be a difference maker for where, wherever he goes to. And he'd probably be a first overall pick. I want to say he'd be a first overall pick last season for sure. Um, but, yeah, well, what a great guy to get if you don't win win the lottery, <laughs> right? Um yeah. And I, I have this real bad feeling that he's going to go to Chicago at second overall, and I don't like it because uh, I don't like Chicago. But uh, it's – I think that's where he ends up. I think he's going to be pretty good there too. Um, and I mean, there's so many guys that could become superstars in this top end. you got Leo Carlson. He's another guy that's like could go third, fourth overall and um, probably a top two pick in a lot of other drafts. Um there's just so many good guys in this draft that could become big time NHL players. So those are three for me. Um, obviously there's Matt Bimichkov as well. I mean, he's three years maybe down the road because of his contract situation and, you know, Russia and all that, but whoever gets him is getting a, a 50 goal score, I think in the NHL and he could potentially go, I don't know where he'll drop. He may drop into the six, seven spot and where he probably shouldn't go. So uh, th- those are, Definitely guys for me. Yeah, I think I think in terms of this draft, I'm obviously excited of the for the for the possibility of the blues to have a pretty good pick in this draft. Obviously the 10th odds right now. I would take anything inside the top 12. I mean, they certainly could have had like the I would say they could probably be where Philadelphia is right now if they didn't 
come in and bring in, you know, Kapanen and Verana and, mm. and Blay that were great, obviously great additions and will be a big part of the team next season. But uh, yeah, I think that that's an interesting part of this draft is that there's a lot of possibility for guys that would be top three last season to possibly fall into your lap if you're in the seven or eight spot just because of mm. how good the other players are around them. Uh, but one thing I look at this draft and I see is like there's a lot more forwards at the top end of the draft than defensemen. So what are your thoughts overall on the uh, the defensemen in this draft, especially in the in the top uh, 20 or so of, of this draft? Well, the two guys that I look at always is David Reinbacher and Axel Sand and Pelica. And, you know, Reinbacher, I think is going to I think he's going to go in the top 10. I've said this on Prospect Corner a few times, too. I I think he's just a guy that's risen his stock throughout the season. His World Juniors was really good, and he was playing – he wasn't even playing healthy in those World Juniors, and he looked really good. So, um, you know, I think he's going in the top 10 to some team. I think whoever needs a great right-hand defenseman that could probably step into the league in, you know, a couple of years, I think he's he's pretty close. And then Axel Sand and Pelica is just one of those, again, skilled Swedish defensemen um, another right-hand shot, which a lot of teams don't have. So I, and I think he'll probably go in the 15 to 20 range, maybe just because of the, the forwards that are above him. Um, and that could, again, I hated it because the Canucks could have had a pick around that spot and get a great forward and a great defenseman. But of course that ship has sailed. So, I, but yeah, Pelica is another guy and, those two I'm, I'm always looking at. I mean, there's some other guys down there too, but those are the big prizes, I think, at, in the top 20 at least. Yeah, that's the tough spot that I think the Blues are going to be in with their with their pick is that they could really use some defensemen to throw into the mix, but there's so many forwards and there's going to be somebody like Andrew Crystal or mm. uh, Dvorsky or Oliver is one of those guys is going to be there and you got to make a decision. And usually you, you tend towards best player available. That's kind of how you want to approach every draft, but it's going to be very hard this season for these teams to draft. Obviously it could be a good thing down the road, but it's going to be difficult to see uh, how these guys draft or how they view this draft. Cause I, I think a lot of teams still kind of just went for it. Like yeah. Toronto went for it by getting rid of some picks and like, there's a lot of playoff teams that don't have their first round pick. And uh, I mean, you always got to go for the chance to win a cup, but I feel like in this draft, you would like to hold on to them as much as possible. I guess the thing for Toronto is that they already have a pick in the very back end of the draft from Boston. So if they wanted to, uh, to just have one, that's fine. But um, are there any, potentially like guys that are rated in the twenties right now that could go forward uh, or, or kind of hop into the top 15, some guys that could sneak in and maybe somebody falls out. Are there any of those mid first round guys that could either be steals in that spot or fall or even move up? Hmm. Well, you mentioned Andrew Crystal. I think he's a big one. Uh, he's, he's interesting because of his, un- his being undersized, his skating isn't the best. Um, I think that could work against them and teams would be like kind of hesitant to pick him in the top 10, 15, but there's also teams that could potentially look at him and say, well, you know, the undersized guys look pretty good at the NHL lately. Um, so he could go in there. Uh, Matthew Woods, another one I look at because of his size and his shot. He's got that Tage Thompson type shot and you know how, how many goals Thompson has scored this season. Um, probably don't want to bring him up because he was a St. Louis <laughs> Blues draft pick. 
uh, and, uh, and never panned out there. But, um, you know, I, I think he could potentially become a guy in the top 15. I hope he does. Cause I keep, I keep pushing him up. I keep thinking yeah. he should go in there when he, he may go in the twenties. Um, but yeah, those are two guys that I look at and, um, Braden Yeager's another one. Riley Height, I think, are two other guys that could uh, be in that range that could push themselves in. There's just so much talent in this draft that you could pick so many different guys that could go different ways. And I think the only ones that are really sure are like a top five are the top five that are going to go there. Some other guys who just push themselves in. So um, lots of great, exciting prospects that's going to be fun for whatever team gets them because uh, lots of elite talent here. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, all right. We will do another one of these to recap the playoffs and uh, discuss the draft before the draft happens at some point. Um, I think that'll be a good one to discuss because we'll be, you know, have a little bit more assurance in the draft order and all that stuff. So the draft will be uh, in late June on the 28th. So we'll be back at some point before then. I'll have you on and we'll discuss that. Uh, you could follow his stuff at Matthews Torres C on Twitter. Check his stuff out in the Hockey Riders doing some playoff previews right now. Check out the YouTube channel. I'll link all that in the description of this podcast. Uh, Matthew, thank you for joining me, and we will talk again soon. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. We'll see what uh, what happens in the first games that are coming up here. So, yeah, lots of fun. Should be a blast.